0: Of July weekend. Uh, grateful that you are here. Uh, hopefully, maybe you got to see some fireworks last night. Uh, we were in bed by about 9 o'clock, so we did not see any fireworks. Uh, little kids, right? Uh, but man, great weekend to grill. We're having some friends over today and celebrate uh, the country's birthday. We have a flag out in the atrium just to show how we really respect not just the country that live in the freedom, but those who fought for our freedom. And it reminds me of a guy named Nathan Hale, or Nathaniel Hale, excuse me. Some of you may know him. He was in the Revolutionary War, and he was captured by the British. And right before he died, his famous last words that you may know, sorry, it's hard to read up here on the screen, but it says, I only regret that I have but one life to lose for my country. Wow, what a a revealing thing. It shows his patriotism. It shows how much he loved his country. It shows how much that he wanted to fight for his country. It's his last words. And many people, when you look in, if you google sometimes famous last words of people that you respect, the people that you've seen die, it's amazing how meaningful they are, how impactful they are. It reveals what's most important in their lives. And we're going to look at someone's famous last words today, a man that I respect, a man that's a hero of mine, the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul, he's writing his last words to a guy named Timothy. So if you have your Bibles, open up to 2 Timothy. I'll tell you where we're going to head there in just a moment. You can get on your phones and just Google it, 2 Timothy, and I'll tell you what verse we're going to be in in a moment. We're going to look at one verse here. we're going to unpack that verse but before we do that, I want to just give some explanation of this famous last words of Paul written in 2 Timothy. And let me just set this up for us. First of all, just to give you a little bit of the setting, Paul, he finds himself inside and out, or in and out of jail. This time he is in jail, and he knows it's probably for good. Uh, Christians are being persecuted more than ever before, and he knows he's probably going to be executed, which means he needs to look to somebody who could lead the church after him, someone he could pass this baton to. And so he knows this person has to have a calling from God, a calling from God that says, hey, this is not just a believer in Jesus, but one who will contend for the faith in a persecuted way, a person who is not afraid to really live out their faith and speak about their faith and be a man of integrity. And we see this person that Paul sees these characteristics in is a man named Timothy. Now, Timothy is a really good man. He loves Jesus, but he's younger. And because he's younger, there's no doubt that Paul probably faces some intimidation by which he's being called to do. Now, I don't know about you, but there's some things in my life that I'm intimidated by Think of the things in your life that if you had to do, you'd be like, oh, I can't do that. You're intimidated by it. I'll reveal a few of mine. Please don't judge me. The first is, I know nothing about cars. I, know, I don't know how to work on a car. My, we have someone in our family who literally changes their own oil, and I'm like, I don't even know how to check my own oil in my car. <laughs> I'm intimidated by uh, looking under the hood. I don't know anything about cars or fixing things in my house. My wife. She does all of that usually, and sometimes she'll say, hey, Eric, guess what? The, the freezer's leaking, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? I don't even know what tools to do, so you know what I do? I get on YouTube, and I put, my freezer is leaking, and they have all these videos. Thank God. Did you know you can thaw a frozen freezer thingy with a hair dryer? That's what I did. That's how it shows you. I don't know how to fix things. I have to use my wife's hair dryer to thaw out our freezer so it doesn't spill On the ground, I'm intimidated by those things. Now, some of you, uh, you may be intimidated if I were to ask you to come up and speak today in front of everyone. You would be like, I would rather die than public speak. Some of you are petrified about that. I understand. Others of you, you're intimidated by maybe a new job or something on the horizon that you just don't know if you can do it. Well, that word intimidation, there's another word that fits nicely into that. and It's the word timid. Now, Paul knows that Timothy's not just a younger guy, but he's kind of laid back. Has a different kind of disposition. He knows that Timothy could fall into timidity. And he wants to make sure that he addresses this in the letter that he is writing to him. Part of his last words to leave Timothy with. So Timothy can read these words of confidence over and over and over again. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. This is a favorite verse of mine. I'm grateful to read this, and it fits right into our Do Not Be Afraid message series that we're in, because Timothy uh, receives these words from Paul. He says, Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. There are times in my life when I'm scared, or I'm fearful, or I'm uh, afraid of the future. And I think about this verse often. I know that God doesn't give me a spirit of fear and timidity. I know it doesn't come from God. And that has gotten me through a lot of things. It's helped me put my trust in God. And maybe for you too, this is a verse that you've clung on to. Or even when you read it this morning, you're like, wow, that is super powerful. But what does Paul attach this verse to? Meaning we can't just stop there. We need to say, what is exactly Paul saying to me? What does he not want him to be afraid of? Well, it's in the next verse. Right at the beginning of verse 8a, says, So, never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Not only do we shouldn't be fearful of life because God is with us, we shouldn't be afraid to tell people about Jesus, because that's what we're called to do. Now, I'm grateful that Paul writes these in his last words to Timothy, because not only can Timothy be timid, so can Eric especially when it comes to sharing my faith. And some of you are thinking, you're a professional faith sharer. How can you be scared to do it? Well, I'm a human, and I'm insecure. And I know the people that are in my life that I want to talk about, I know they know their stuff on the other side. So sometimes I'm afraid to share my faith. You know, we live in a post-truth culture, which means anyone can make up their own truth and believe it. And in fact, not only can they believe it, you can't tell them not to believe it. Everyone's truth is personalized. It's their own. So to stand there and say, hey, let me tell you about objective truth, that means there's only one truth, and it's found in Jesus, people will look at you like you're crazy. I don't want to look like a crazy guy. I want to be liked, and so therefore I don't often share my faith when I should. There's people in my family who, we were at a barbecue last night. My wife's side, everyone there was a Christ follower. We talked openly about Jesus. It was a great time. Now, if I were to go to some other family family, I'm not probably going to bring up Jesus right away. Sometimes I'll backdoor it. I'll say, hey, how's your job doing? Hoping that they ask me about my job. Oftentimes they won't (laughs) because they don't want to talk about Jesus. (laughs) But there's people in my life that I don't want to offend them. I just keep my mouth closed. One thing I love about social media is that you get to connect with people you haven't seen in a long time. Now I'm off social media right now because I needed a break but when I'm on it, it's so neat to see some of my old classmates, people that knew me. It's a good and a bad thing. It's good they know I'm a pastor now. It's bad that I'm a pastor now. <laughs> some of them look at me and they're like, I knew this kid. In fact, I was at my old alma mater, Perkins High School. i actually the Perkins school board now. And I went to visit one of my closest friends is the Perkins principal. And across the hall is the assistant principal's office. And I know him really well. And I walked in the other day and I sat down. And I said, wow. This seat feels very comfortable. Like, I knew that chair in the assistant principal's office when I was in high school. I got in trouble all the time. I was a bully. I was insecure. I did stupid things constantly. And now people say, oh, gosh, now he's a pastor. What a hypocrite. They know who I was before, and therefore, I don't want to share my faith. There's some of you. If I asked you, why don't you share your faith all the time when you have an opportunity? Some of you would tell me reasons. It's based in fear and timidity. Paul says we can't do that. So what do we do with that? Do we remain timid or we trust God and we don't have to fear? How do we do this? And Paul says, Timothy, there's gonna be times you're gonna be scared, but let me tell you that God's not gonna give you a spirit of fear and timidity. He is not going to give you that. When you feel that way, that is not from God. There's this great quote by Mark Twain that kind of um, puts it in perspective for me. He says this, 20 years from now, you'll be more disappointed by the things you did not do than by the ones that you did do. So throw off the bow lines. Sail away from the safe harbor. Catch the trade winds in your sails. Explore, dream, discover. This is a great quote to give to a graduating senior, but it's also a great quote to look at as a Christ follower. There are times in my life where I'm grateful that I shared my faith. But the times that can keep me up at night are the times that I did not, when I thought fear and timidity was something I had to live with, and I felt like after a while, God's like, "Listen, if you feel that way, it's not from me. I don't give you that." I was thinking of this movie before I uh, before COVID. I went to the movies and I saw this movie called Harriet. It's about Harriet Tubman and her valiant efforts to free slaves, and she was a part of the Underground Railroad Movement. And she knew that she was called to do this, but boy, talk about fear and timidity. She knew her life was on the line, and she goes to her pastor, and she tells the pastor how she's feeling, and the pastor looks her in the eye, and she says, "Fear." And he says, fear is the enemy. Trust in God. When you and I have fear, we have two options. We believe it's true, or we actually trust God to know that it isn't. That we don't have to be defined by it. That God actually doesn't give us a spirit of fear to me, but He gives us something else. And Paul says this in the rest of the verse. For instance, He tells us that He is giving us His power. Now, that word power in the Greek, we get the word, English word now, dynamite. Isn't that interesting to think about? That word. When He says we're filled with power, literally, we're filled with this dynamic power from the spirit that wants to explode out of us, then why, if that's the case, why do we fear? Why do we worry about what other people will say? It's because we're really self-absorbed. Self-absorption fuels timidity. There have been so many times where I'm looking at someone I have an opportunity. I mean, they have literally put it on a tee. All I have to do is swing in a conversation for Jesus and somehow I start thinking about myself. Not the spirit in me, not this other person, myself. I'll think, what if they ask me a question I can't answer? Some of us think, well, I'm too reserved, I'm too introverted, I don't know enough. Maybe my life precedes me and they know me by that and they'll think I'm a hypocrite. And so often we think more about ourselves and when we do that it fuels timidity. You can't be self-absorbed and really share about Jesus because you're thinking more about what they're thinking about you than what God thinks about them. See the difference? When you look at people through God's eyes, you not only see the way God sees them, you also see that God's given you a power to speak in such a way that he can reach them through you. It's dynamic. He wants to give us that power. The more we think about ourselves, the less we'll tap into that power. But when we look at God and we see them through that, wow, we can have these conversations God longs for us to have. See, He doesn't just give us a spirit of power, He gives us a spirit of love. Before I was dating my wife, we were driving somewhere just as friends. She was driving, and I was trying to be goofy, probably trying to flirt with her. She didn't want anything to do with me. I was trying to do something, and I don't open her glove compartment. I don't know why. And there's her glasses. I said, I didn't know you wore glasses. And she said, well, I don't. I, I wear them at night. Now, it wasn't night at that point. I would have asked her to get out of the car and let me drive. But she's driving, and I'm trying to be cute. And so I get her glasses out, and they're girly glasses. Maybe these are too, but hers were definitely girly. And I put them on, and I'm going to try to, like, mess with her again. What kind of flirting is that? I don't know, but you know, I was desperate, and I put on her glasses, and I thought, "Oh my goodness, I can see (laughs) what is happening." I'm, I'm looking. I'm like, I can spot. I can spot streets. Now, I didn't, be, I didn't even know I couldn't read it before. My vision gotten blurry. You see, when I grew up, I had 20 20 vision, but over time, I guess old age or whatever, my eyes started getting worse. I never went to the eye doctor. Then somehow we had the similar prescription. I put on our glasses and I could see clearly for the first time. I couldn't believe it. That week, I went to the eye doctor. I got a prescription. Now I've worn glasses for the last 12 years of my life. Now I can finally see interesting i got so used to not being able to see that when i got to see it it all made sense i could see it clearly that's what happened when i discovered that god loves me first i don't have to love him but he loves me despite what i've done despite what i'll do he loves me it's radical it's life changing and because he loves me now i get to love people i get to see them clearly for the first time To see how much God loves them and wants a relationship with them. And God's not going to come out from the clouds and shout their name. He's going to do it through his people, you and I. Do we see people that clearly? Some of us, we like to share our faith with people because their projects makes us feel better about ourselves. Others Others of us don't, but we don't see how much God really loves them. Wouldn't you love to be in situations where you spoke about faith in a way where even if they'd rejected your beliefs to your face, they couldn't deny your radical love for them? I'm not talking being nice. I mean a kind of love that when they're with you, they literally have to question if God's real or not because they see his love through you. Wouldn't it be nice to see people in that way? We have that potential. God's love is in us and it must come Through us, so that when people are with us, they see God more than they see us. He gives us that power. He gives us that spirit of love, and then he also he gives us the spirit of self discipline, or self control, or a sound mind, or to be sensible. Now, some for some of you, you were at some really nice spreads this weekend. Some of you will go to some spreads this afternoon, and you have a dilemma: Do I eat the chips or do I eat the carrots? (laughs) Some of you are really good at self-discipline. I am not. I will always go for the chips. I act like carrots don't even exist in those moments. I lose self-discipline. For some of you, you can say, man, I really want the chips, but I will discipline myself and take the carrots. The same thing can happen with our minds. When our mind wants to just go to fear, go to fear because it's easy, God will give us a spirit of self-discipline that says, even though I want to go this way, I can go this way. I can discipline my mind in such a way that I see people the way I'm supposed to. And I can speak in such a way that's not a fear, but of power, love, and with self-control. So what does that look like? It looks like for some of us when we're in situations and we can choose fear, we choose love, we discipline ourselves to choose love. When we are in situations where we don't want to speak because we're too insecure, we discipline ourselves to say, I want to think through the spirit in this way and his power can come through us. I look at people in such a way that even if they reject me, they can't reject my love. Even though I don't want to open my mouth because what if they say no? I think to myself, what if I open my mouth and they say yes? Even though I don't want to open my mouth because they may ridicule me, what if I open my mouth and they ridicule me but down the road, somehow that planted a seed that God watered and somehow they became a Christ follower? You can go down, the, you can go down this, uh, this path of fear. It's really easy and you can justify it all you want or we can go down this path of discipline to share our faith. Because like this quote that I read one time and it really changed how I thought about this. My faith is very, very personal. But our faith is never meant to be private. And guess what? You are here today because someone shared their faith with you. They could have chosen fear, but they didn't and you're here. Who needs to be sitting next to you someday? Because you open your mouth and believe that God doesn't give you a spirit of fear or timidity, but he gives you a spirit of love, a spirit of power, and a spirit of self-control. Let's pray together. Father, it's so easy to fuel timidity in our lives. I make so many excuses on why I shouldn't talk about you, as if I'm embarrassed about you. There are so many times in my life when I want to be loved more than love people. There are so many times in my life where I believe fear and not tap into your power. God, that needs to end today. Help us to have the courage to speak to people just like someone had the courage to speak to us, whether that was a parent when we were five years old or a friend when we were in college. Help us to have that same role that someone had in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. we would love to just to end our time with taking communion together. Would you get this little contribution?